Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Why am I here? <laughs> you're you're going to give up on me as a friend one day. <laughs> I really never thought we'd get to this point, but you really, really will give up on me as a friend one day. What was uh, what was my message to you? Do you want to record tonight? I know we're supposed to go tomorrow, but if you can go tonight, I'll go whenever. I'll stay up as late as you want. And you're <laughs> like, I, uh, yeah, I guess. Like 10, 30? That's really late, right? And I was like, yeah, cool. That's whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wednesdays are the only day I have to close. I get to finish work early every other day of the week. Oh, it's your work's fault. <laughs> Tell them to change it. Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday. Galant fired on a Wednesday. We got to record on a Wednesday. Thanks for nothing, Vegas. You know, or what? maybe thanks for everything, Vegas. Yeah, I would take pushing up the day we were record. We were planning to record this week early, or pushing it up sooner rather than missing the news and having to wait until Sunday to talk about this. So much better this way. We should count our blessings. I guess we got lucky. There's gambling puns in here, but I'm just, there's not. At 10.09 p.m., which is the time that we're recording this, I completely. Gallant just rolled snake eyes. The Red Wings might push their chips all in. Oh, that's not bad. I might use that for the episode description. Put a pin in that. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, welcome to another episode of Winged Wheel Podcast After Dark. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. You you could have then said at that moment, I'm tired. I would have allowed it then. Yeah, no, I've used that one too many times. I uh, I tweeted out when I convinced you and then poor Mel <laughs> was going to have to <laughs> go to bed very quietly as we're still recording. I don't think she's going to be concerned about her going to bed quietly. I think the more upsetting part is us talking while she's trying to sleep. Oh, she sleeps like the dead. Like, it's disturbing. How do I get that superpower? Because you know when people ask, like, if you could have any one superpower, would it be? Would you want to fly, be invisible, be able to teleport? No, I just want to be able to sleep uninterrupted. Right. That's all I want. I would love to be a talented sleeper. My superpower that I want is to be able to sleep and only be awoken in in case of an emergency. Oh, the house is on fire. The kid's choking. Someone's breaking in. Other than that, leave Gerard me the hell alone. gets fired from the Vegas Golden Knight. Those <laughs> things. Uh, I regular. I actually regularly wake up Mel for like important things or like unimportant things. I'll be scrolling on my phone and I'll be like, hey, Mel, there is an article. Showing about a new ink that they use in tattoos that stops them from bleeding in watercolors. And she's like, why did you wake me up for this? I'm like, because I know you'll fall back asleep right away. So I feel no guilt. <laughs> this is what you get. And she does. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, once I confirmed it with her uh, and confirmed it with you, I tweeted this out. But it, it's worth repeating. You are a father of two. And even worse than that, someone who doesn't drink coffee. And you've agreed uh, that we should record uh, a day sooner than expected at well past everyone's Evan's bedtime. Yeah, I uh, I won't drink coffee, but the last few weeks I've been seriously contemplate, c- contemplating hard drugs or alcoholism. No, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. First of all, if you're going to choose between like hard drugs and alcohol, take the hard drugs, okay. right? L- less less beer gut. Yeah. Also, the world runs on methamphetamines. Let's just be real with that. This is true. Uh, Do I go Adderall or do I just go something more fun? I feel like you're making a lot of assumptions about Adderall here. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, if you can't tell that we're wired. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, literally trying to coordinate my day tomorrow too, as we're doing this. Cause I got, I was like, wondering why you were staring at your lap It's very evident of you. I got to pick a dude up at a time for a thing tomorrow. Speaking of hard drugs. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty suspicious. what time are you going? How much room do you have? You if, if, I'll come. If it's, this is actually going to be the most Canadian statement ever. I'm literally coordinating with a goalie when I have to pick him up to take him to hockey. <laughs> Because goalies get preferential treatment. We're stopping at undisclosed, unnamed coffee location on the way to pick up some ice caps, maybe a double double. Uh, yes. Also, that, no, Crystal will have that covered because she has to take separate cars tomorrow. So she still loves those ice caps, eh? It's horrifying. They're not good. I calculated how much she spends on them in a year. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. It's well into the four figures, Ryan. Well, they're like, into they're three three dollars and something per. She gets one every goddamn morning. Three hundred and sixty five days in the year. Ryan, do the math. That's three million dollars. <laughs> oh man! All right. Uh, I think we we break right into it. I don't think there's any skipping around this. We got to start with it, right? Yes, because we got to talk at length about the thing that almost assuredly isn't going to happen. Gerard Gallant fired as head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights and immediately replaced by Pete DeBoer. Out of everybody who's available to replace him, I don't necessarily disagree with the choice of Pete DeBoer, but um, the main, my main thought about <laughs> Gerard Gallant being fired is, why? Uh, Vegas is currently, let's see, Three points out of first place in the Pacific. More importantly, they're tied for the last playoff spot. Uh, no, they are. Did since I checked the standings this morning? Has something changed? Winnipeg has jumped them. Oh. Or Winnipeg and Vancouver both have the same amount of points with two fewer games played. Okay, so they tied in points and they don't hold the tiebreaker at the moment. Yeah, it's... Uh... The... I don't even know where to begin with this. There is going to be, there's the first chunk of this is going to be talking about how stupid this firing was. And it was, I, I need to, you start this off. The analytics say the Vegas golden Knights are an elite team that are being dragged down by poor goaltending performances this year. Jeff, our friend of the podcast, Jeff Merrick, uh, had a great line on hockey central at noon a few weeks ago or a few days ago. Only one coach has been fired in the last uh, few years where the team's goalie's save percentage was over 900. Mm -hmm. So that tells you a lot about how NHL GMs evaluate coaches, which is dumb, wrong, and bad. And they're just outside of a playoff spot, which isn't good. Um, but when you factor in that they're getting poor goaltending, uh, have very good metrics... And this team has existed for two and a half years. If we take the last two seasons away and you tell, and we, we jump back to summer 2017. And I tell you that in 2020, the Vegas Golden Knights will be legitimately battling for a playoff spot. How happy do you think Knights fans and Knights ownership would be? They'd be thrilled with their head coach, Gerard Gallant. Yeah. Gerard Gallant's mistake here was he set his own bar too high. 
That is literally why he got fired. It's legitimately like asking for more work at work and the moment you need to slow down, they fire you. Yeah. I I want to look up the Vegas Golden Knights overall record over the past two and a half seasons. It's near the top of the league. Spoiler. The only actually uh, Vegas, you mentioned the metrics. Vegas uh, measures like top five ish, at least in most metrics. You want to know a metric there near the bottom of the league in? Say percentage. Besides that, PDO, which measures luck. Luck. I know, I know. There's save a, percentage brings down the PDO. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. some ins and outs to, to PDO, and, and it's not everyone's favorite. But for a team that's shooting well, creating plays well, isn't saving the puck. Really? You're going to really, you think, and the worst part is the regression to the mean is just going to bounce Pete DeBoer way up. Pete DeBoer is getting a raise. He's getting the Jack Adams. He's getting, oh, it's, he's going to get everything. It's not that Pete DeBoer is a bad coach. I'm sure he'll do a fine job. He was one of the candidates in the summer. I was hoping Detroit would take a long look at, um, (laughs) Now I very much narrowed my focus down to one, but uh, it's what was the stat Dimitri posted today that just had like just tweaked me. There have been set uh, since November twentieth. There have been seven coaches fired, and there have been five Detroit Red Wing wins. <laughs> Ryan, that was almost two months ago. We are literally five days short of two months ago. Oh, Christ. You're talking about a guy who in the first two seasons of the Vegas Golden Knights existing won 51 and 43 games respectively. Oh, my God. And they fired him. And they fired him. And they fired him. A hundred. Oh, my God. I actually. What did I say last podcast? I said the Red Wings with regard to Jeff Blashill. Yes. You know, depending on no matter which side of the coin you fall on, a lot of us can agree on the same thing, which is that there's not really anybody out there who would warrant jumping away from Blashill right now. Once you consider all the context, there's no like Gerard Gallant that's out there again, because that's only going to happen once in a blue moon. (laughs) Three days. You owe Gerard an apology. You did this. I'm so sorry. Ryan Mark Andre Fleury Hanna is my new nickname. Yeah, you you did this, so you're going to be uh, Gerard Gallant's biggest enemy. But if he gets hired to Detroit, yeah, Red Wings fans uh, need to shower you with gifts and. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. If he comes yeah. to Detroit, oh, I just don't like it, it. You're not often right now with the way hockey media works. You don't often see the eye test and the old boys club and then the uh, modern NHL and analytics crowd galvanize behind one idea, which is what? (laughs) Everybody agrees that this was brutal. Uh, And then I had a thought. I was like, this doesn't make sense. There's something else here. Maybe this is one of those things. We're waiting for the Bill Peters to come out in this situation. And then uh, I can't remember who it was. John Shannon, maybe, I don't know, tweeted, this is purely a hockey. It's purely a hockey decision. And I went, Oh, okay. They're just stupid. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And I had, I have so much respect for McCrimmon and McPhee. I don't agree with all their decisions, but look at the team that they've built in Vegas. Phenomenal. And this just lends so much more credence to the fact that they 
wrote a lot of this is them riding the wave of a an excellent coach and b the wealth of of draft picks and team resources that they got when they entered this league because of how the nhl created the expansion rules this time around which was like the inverse of when the minnesotas and the columbus has entered imagine how this regime's gonna react the first time vegas is like actually bad like oh if they lose marcius or patch ready or stas near whoever and they're actually bad. Man, they might fire the players. <laughs> the fa- I actually feel very bad for Vegas fans. I really do. I don't like, you know, they have their rivalries with the Pacific Division, their Pacific Division foes. And that's great. Like, I think that's good for hockey. Um, they as a fan base haven't, they have no black marks. They have no, like, extremely hateable player. There's nothing like that. Like, Everyone was cheering for them in the cup finals in their first season. You know, they got laughed at when they blew that uh, that lead against San Jose last playoffs, the five-minute major. Like, that's – yeah, that's all well and good. But, like, people generally like Vegas fans. And I think they've been a great fan base to this league. They've been fun. They've been well-informed. Uh, I think their social media manager is the only people that – only person that people really have any qualms with. Um, and they uh, very rightly – are shocked and angry online right now. They are not thrilled. Didn't Gallant call Pete DeBoer a clown, now that I think about it? Yeah, uh, the one positive about this is that's a straight power move. Just taking your rivals, your coach's rival, and your the team you have the biggest rivalry with, just taking their coach. Like, yeah, you got rid of DeBoer? Yeah, yeah, he's ours now. What? what? Is the NHL drunk this year? It's It's... Seven coaching firings since November 20th. This is a whole... Seven. And a GM who is, by all accounts, doing a good job. This has become such a reactionary league. Again, I said and still think that the Red Wings, if they make a coaching change, it will not happen until the offseason. I wish that wasn't the case, but I'm almost appreciative that Iserman isn't this stupidly reactionary. Like, he's being patient with everything. And no, he's every- been, And he's only been here for eight months. Yep. Every, like, absolutely everything. And because he knows, I don't know if you guys have heard this before, this rebuild is going to take time. And weird things happen in the NHL. Don't be too reactionary. The only reason I'm on the pro, if we want to switch Gallant for Blashill right now, do it, is because I was would have been on for this change a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's not... Even the Red Wings, as bad as they are this year. If you look at Dom Loose Chickens, um, he's gonna, so, so, someone's going to clip that and they're going to tweet at him and he's going to tear you apart. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen many, many people call him that. Really? Loose Chickens. Matt Larkin from THN literally referenced it like oh, so, three days ago. Oh, so I'm the asshole. Yes. Oh, okay. Anyways, because I'm not trying to pronounce a last name that has that many S's, C's, and Z's in order. Okay. But anyways, uh, Dom Lushijan, whatever, um, put his ranking, like he had an article about what teams are going to progress and regress or, you know, yada, yada, yada as the season goes on. Detroit, by all accounts, was way worse than they should have been according to their metrics. Mm -hmm. The first half of the season for the Red Wings was an outlier. As bad as they are, as bad as they will be, as bad as we know they are, statistically, they shouldn't be that bad. So it would have been perfectly understandable for Eiserman to just go, okay, that's it. We're done. We're blowing everything up. But he recognizes 
you know what? That was weird. Let's let it ride a little bit. And then maybe he reevaluates in the offseason and goes, yeah, you know what? Actually, no. Even beyond that, Blash Hill is bad. We'll get rid of him. Or, you know what? You look at X, Y, and Z and we'll keep him around. This wasn't his fault. That wasn't his fault. Like Gerard Gallant, not his fault. He couldn't get a save. Although, Bernie putting a 907s might have been the only reason Blash Hill still has a job. Who knows? Which is a statement because 907 is not a pretty number. No. And on this team, it should put him in Vesna contention. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I appreciate Eisenman for that. Th- that all being said, if I'm Eisenman, I'm replacing Plasho with Gallant tomorrow. He has been the best coach in the NHL for at the very least the last two and a half years. Barry Trotz makes an argument there. Nobody else is in the conversation. Okay, I want to feed off that conversation, but I have pulled up some stats. Uh, these are five-on-five five numbers. Uh, shot attempt share for Vegas, fourth best in the NHL. Expected goals share, second best in the NHL. Uh, scoring chance shares, so both normal, sc- like all scoring chances and high danger scoring chances, both of those are top five in the NHL. <laughs> and they fired him. Take okay, look. I I actually I, I had a hard time labeling where I fell in all of this because one, I think we as a, a podcast are trying to recognize our responsibility to not just drive our opinions through an argument and talk about an argument with the listeners to make sure you guys have an opportunity to make your own informed opinions and not just listen to whatever we regurgitate. Like like we're not telling you what to feel, but over time we kind of landed on how we feel about Blashill and my mind was that I haven't been impressed, but there's enough plausible deniability. There's enough, uh, uh, you know, what's it called when you have to beyond a, a reasonable doubt. Yeah. When you're, when you're trying to convict someone, my, my brain's fried right now. Um, there's enough reasonable doubt there to say that his performance isn't because of him as a coach, but at least somewhat because his talent pool has been an actual pile of primordial sludge. Since he started it in the NHL, it's actually kind of impressive slash it was like, you know, the the remnants of previous good teams that he made the playoffs even once. Um, But with how this season has gone and especially how bad it's been and just when you break into the granular stuff like non-changing systems, the way he handles or at least handled in the past young players and their deployment, the the line shuffling, the, the refusal to change even in the face of everything falling apart around him. It came to me the day where my most reasonable conclusion was he's in on the tank. And then I thought, oh, man, it's so much simpler than that. I just don't think he's right for this team. If Eisenman kept him, if Eisenman kept him or keeps him and even extends him uh, another contract, like picks up the option and, and picks up another contract and gives him an opportunity on the other side of this rebuild, I wouldn't be optimistic about it. But there would be enough there for me to say, yeah, okay, I can see why this is happening. It's not my favorite, but I can see why. All of that is superseded by how good of a coach Gerard Gallant is. All of that is out the window. Like you said, Brad, hire him tomorrow. This is Gerard Gallant is how I feel about like uh, when Taylor Hall is on the market. Oh, you have one of the best left wingers in the league. Yeah. Forget where you're at. You try to trade for him. Like forget, you know, what your plans are for the season. If you have even a chance of making use of that guy, you trade for him. Um, I saw something really funny today. Someone was like, well, you don't want the Red Wings to start winning now. I was like, oh, bro. Yeah, no, Drug Lant's not winning a lot with this team. Nobody's winning a lot no, with this team. He, they will win more with him. I can say that somewhat reasonably. 
uh, they're not going to win enough to catch the teams ahead of them. No, we're, we're at the point in the tank where, where I think I mentioned this on here before, where it's actually kind of nice because we can almost root for wins at this point because it's not going to really matter. They're what, 12 points behind 30th? You think a team that with this roster and Mantha out and Athanasiu out and now they're starting goalie out for is going to make up 12 points? No, this team is going to finish last place. They could rattle off a 10 game winning streak at this point, And I think statistically, they're still likely to be in last place. I think the Red Wings win their remaining games. They have what, 35 games left. They'll finish with 97 points. If they win every single game, if they win every single remaining game, they'll finish with under 100 points. Yeah. So there, there you go. Bring him on because the Red Wings are not catching anybody at this point not unless a team goes nuclear and does exactly what detroit did in the first half in the second half which isn't likely all right let's rattle off some pros and cons to bringing on gallant pro you bring on you have an opportunity to add one of the best nhl coaches in hockey right now who has a proven track record of taking a team with limited talent and making them very successful or at least maximizing the talent that he has um con Timing isn't ideal because there are still years left in this rebuild. Not year, years. Um, And the NHL is not a place where coaches have long tenures anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gerard Gallant will probably have to wait a few years before he can even see reasonable results from this. Pro, um, those years will be less painful under Gerard Gallant. Quite possibly. None of this is to be a guarantee. I I know sometimes we have to qualify our statements. This is probably what just we believe. Uh, But those years might be less painful. And if Gerard Gallant can get more out of this roster or, or, you know, change the way the team is run or, you know, whatever part of coaching matters the most to you, then it'll it'll suck a little less. Con? I don't know. He might not want to come to Detroit. (laughs) Like, well... Pro, he's buddies with Iserman. I uh, scored 30 goals, what, four years in a row on Iserman's wing? Iserman hired him when he was, uh, when Iserman was GM of the Canada World Cup team in 07 as an assistant coach, uh, which they won gold with, I believe. Uh, they have a proven history. They go way back as players, they go way back from a GM coach standpoint. They have a history. They're buddies. I don't know how good Iserman's French is, but I believe he could pick up the phone and make a call right now. So, Here's the question, because I want to get to you, uh, get to a point you mentioned about it's going to take a long time for the rebuild. Let's assume reasonable best case scenario this offseason for the Red Wings. Let's assume Gallant comes in. Mm-hmm. Let's assume they win the draft lottery. Okay. Because those are both very reasonable things to happen, which would mean Steve Eisenman has to do one piece of heavy lifting. Let's say he signs a big free agent. Yeah. Just one. We're not going to go crazy. Let's assume he signs zero other free agents, but he gets, we'll go with the one who's most rumored, Tory Krug. Okay. So, Satter comes up next year. We draft Lafreniere. He's in the lineup. We have Krug. We have Gallant. I don't think we finish bottom five next year. I, I don't think that's a bottom five team. No. I don't think that's a top 16 team. I don't think it's a playoff team, but I th- I think based on how Valeno and Rasmussen and, and uh, Satter perform... It could be damn close. Goaltending being the big asterisk, Bernier would have to play next year like he is this year. 
What is with Gallant being fired for no reason? Like, not no reason, <laughs> but like with Florida, like just so bizarre. With Vegas, just so bizarre. I don't understand how we're even talking about this. It's just so wild. It makes no sense. I did Gallant make it past at McPhee's wife or something? I because it. From from a hockey standpoint, this is nonsensical, but this is the culture of the NHL. It's panicky, reactionary, and bad. Out of all the firings that have happened in the NHL this year, how many of them actually should have? Laviolette and Nashville? No, they were one of the best five-on-five teams in the league. They were just getting tanked by bad goaltending and poor special teams. Um, Hines in New Jersey? Yeah, they were underperforming. That's justifiable. Ray Shiro in New Jersey? Good God, no. Because, again, I still justify every move he made in the offseason. You go back and do it again, despite how their season's turned out. Although there's now with him clashing with the analytics team that they hired there. So. Yeah, that's still dumb. Because um, remember how that worked out for Florida when you went too hard the one way. Who what, who else has been fired? DeBoer in San Jose? Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. He's been one of the best coaches for five years. That doesn't change overnight. I know I'm forgetting other coaches. There's, but, yeah, I can just pull this up. But it's it's a dumb reactionary league. I uh, I legitimately I, I legitimately believe that any team that's fired their coach, oh Jim Montgomery, yeah, um, that one special circumstances, so that doesn't count. Uh, Babcock probably deserved to go. Bill Peters again, circumstances dictated that, so it doesn't really count. But and that is all of them. Um, I genuinely believe that with every coach fired, the team that has to then replace that coach should look at uh, NHL co- or coaches outside of the NHL system. The recycling of coaches, yada, 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 old boys club, it needs to stop. Like that's why teams, I believe that's why these coaches have shorter shelf lives, lives because they're not, um, they're not getting the results from them anymore because the league has caught up to them and they refuse to change their ways. I think Gerard Glunt is not that. I think Gerard Gallant comes up above that. I think he supersedes all of that. He, in my mind, is that superstar. It's like Toronto throwing all their money at Babcock. At the time, it was the right move. It really was the right move for Toronto. In retrospect, yeah, it wasn't the best. But also, at the time, any team in the league would have been lucky to have Babcock. You would have been hard-pressed to find a detractor that wasn't a Red Wings fan that was jaded by. (laughs) Um, Oh, if only we knew what was going on. Well, even then, Red Wings fans warned Toronto that, you know, Ron Hainsey would be playing 24 to 26 minutes a night, which I think literally was the case. So yep. um, still, that was the right move from Toronto. Could this Gallant, could a potential Gallant hiring by whatever team picks him up turn out poorly and maybe he isn't all he's cracked out to be? Yeah, sure. But right now, by every measure, by every eye test, by every analytical assessment, oh God, f- hire this guy. At all costs. If you're throwing out your five-year plan with your coach, do it. If you're throwing out your plan with your coach to give him a chance on the other side of a rebuild because you're Steve Eisenman and you just came in as GM and there's no point in rocking that boat because it doesn't matter because your team sucks regardless, you still do it. That's how good Gerard Gallant is. I brought up the timing point on Twitter. I brought up a a couple different things and a lot of people rightly pointed out and made the argument it doesn't matter. The timing is never going to be perfect. If it's Gerard Gallant's level and you perceive him to be that good of a coach, you do it. I think, obviously, this is on Eisman's radar, very obviously. Um, will we have any indication of anything happening beforehand? Only if you know our sources tip us 
which hasn't happened because in a while because Eisenman is notoriously ironclad. Um, it's on his radar. He's for sure thinking about it. I think there's three schools of thought here. One, yes, Glant's a good coach. That doesn't change my plan. I'm going to keep Blashill for now, and I'll worry about this later because the team is not good enough to warrant pulling in uh, your coach of the future right now. Two, yes, Gallant is a good coach, but I want to do a full coaching search in the offseason when I don't pick up Blashill's extension. That includes looking at guys like Lane Lambert, um, maybe Ricard Gromberg, maybe uh, Peter Laviolette, or before today, you know, uh, Pete DeBoer. Or three, he's on the phone with Gallant's agent trying to assess interest. Or tinfoil hat theory, he's waiting to see how Tampa Bay season pans out because he's waiting on John Cooper. Yeah, there's a lot of options here. But at the very least, you can guarantee that this is on his mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, it has to be. A lot of things are on Stevie's mind right now. <laughs> this poor guy has the hardest job in the NHL right now. Man, he's got to be all over the scouting department. He's got to be all over the free agent market. He's got to be all over the coaching market. He's got to be all over the trade market right now. If you're the, like, I don't know, if you're Boston right now, do you even acknowledge your scouts exist? Do you even care? <laughs> yeah, get us some kids, whatever. I'm going to worry about who I can get at the deadline. Oh, we're going to trade this kid away. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? We got Chris Kreider. We're happy, right? Like, I I don't know. Kyle Dubas is kind of a tough job. Literally nothing he does will be forgivable unless it's a cup. And even then, I think they might use it to bash him over the head with. That's fair. Um, I think Ken that Holland has a really tough job. He's got Connor McDavid. Yep, but uh, that trumps everything. When your when your starting point is Connor McDavid, yeah, you don't get pity. He's not getting pity from me. Yeah, but when he doesn't win a cup with Connor McDavid, it will be used to hit him over the head with. And he's just going to hold up all his cup rings and not give a crap. Uh, Eisenman has the grace of being Steve Eisenman and the possibly the most beloved uh, NHL GM right now, and so he has the the grace of patience from the fans who had no patience left to give. So it's tough. I don't envy being in any of these GM's shoes who are considering replacing their current coach with Gerard Gallant. Um, New Jersey, I could see them picking him up. Yeah. Um, A lot of teams I could see picking him up. I don't think Calgary or Dallas will do it. Their replacement coaches, their interim head coaches have been doing pretty well for them. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of competition. And we, that's another thing that we have to consider is through all of this conversation, we have to remember that Detroit is just one of many teams who are considering a coaching change at some point soon. Um, and there's a lot of destinations that might seem more desirable for a coach looking to win because Gerard Glant is a coach you have if you're trying to win a cup or win now. I don't know if a developing coach exists. I don't know if that's no, a real that, thing. That whole thing gets overblown. We use it as a reference point, but realistically, this is a coach who was hired to develop an expansion team. Clearly, Vegas believed in his ability to develop players when they hired him because you don't hire a coach that's not good at development to develop a frigging expansion team. <laughs> uh so the, what's really funny about all this timing is uh, last night the Red Wings played the Islanders and within six seconds, it was like five nothing or something stupid. Um, it was like two nothing within the first 32 seconds. The Red Wings actually ended up being blown out eight to two. Um, I don't have to, we don't have to keep reiterating our thoughts about this team all season long, but I think it's worth reiterating one of these points right now, which is that we have landed on the same spot before the Gallant everything today. We landed on the same spot of like, yeah, 
I don't think we think Blashell is doing the best job, but at this point that the roster in front of him is so bad that even if it's a little bit worse right now, so what? It's not worth rocking the boat because there's no one really out there that's worth making that change right now. You might differ from that actually a little bit than me, um, but that 8-2 loss was so bad where I actually thought, I said, I didn't think there's any way Blashell would be fired this season, but there's only so many times that can happen, right? They're still giving up five goals per game uh, in about half of their games, which is staggering considering it's the middle of January. They're they'll string together a couple R8 games, but they mostly beat bottom feeders. They beat Vegas once this year. They beat Boston this year. I think every other win's come against a garbage team, at least the ones I can remember off the top of my head. Um they look like they have too many games where they look like they don't care. If you want to just get old school about it, this team looks like they've given up. They don't care. I mean, they don't compete. They don't. I don't know if that's just a that could be a symptom of just poor systems slowing them down because by every metric, the one thing everybody, even Jeff Blashill, can agree on is Detroit plays very low event hockey. Their whole strategy is to keep the game to as little shots as possible for and against doesn't matter they want low event hockey which strategically with how the roster is built might not be the worst thing in the world but when you're playing a game when you're coaching your team to play low event hockey you still have to keep them motivated because from a hockey player standpoint that's boring if i was on a roster that is not the type of hockey i want to be played so not that you can't and not that it's completely devoid of offense much like unlike the Red Wings, you have to be motivated, and that's on the coach. And this team, so like you said, they were down what two nothing, thirty one seconds into the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the coach's job to have them ready to go shift one. When a team comes out as flat as often as the Red Wings do, that's a symptom. Um, I've been, uh, I have a very smart friend. Like a, she's brilliant, and she's incredibly good with analytics and incredibly good with code. Um, and we've been kind of, uh, doing some brainstorming stuff. Um, most of it's her. She's doing like literally almost all the legwork. I'm just supplying some hockey context, um, which she honestly doesn't even really need. Uh, she's the cousin of an NHL player. She understands how hockey works. Um, and I can't use the Red Wings as any frame of reference for trying to drop these like analytical charts or, uh, data points or, you know, graphics that I'm trying to generate because they're so bad. Everything looks like it's broken. (laughs) Everything I generate looks like it's broken. You want to know what the Red Wings goal differential is right now? Minus 74. Minus 81. Oh my God. It starts with an eight now. (laughs) Through 47 games. The next, (laughs) the next worst is minus 39. On average, the Red Wings, when they play a game, will lose... They will lose that game 1.7 goals to zero on average, not their average loss on average, any given game they play this year, they lose 1.7 to nothing. Are you minus 81? The next worst is negative 39. The next worst is negative 39. They are 42 goals worse than the next team. I can't draw up these charts because the line just sinks straight down. I feel bad for Prashanth who's trying to like 
illustrate just how bad. And it's just like everyone in the fan base has already gotten it. They're like, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. And it keeps getting worse. Also, you want to know the biggest travesty of the season? We missed when their goal differential was negative 69. That's not nice. What is Evan here for if he did <laughs> not catch when the Red Wings goal differential was negative 69? That is literally his only job. That's the only thing I've ever expected from him on this podcast. Like truly expected that he would be our sounding board, our siren, our alarm for when the Red Wings goal differential was negative 69. The good news is they might actually get to negative 420 this season. So <laughs> hope remains. Yeah, and this team is a dumpster fire, so that literally will be a 420 blaze it. That's it. We can wrap up this episode now, right? Like, that's what we did. We did well enough there. Yeah, just, that was good. Just the title can be 420 blaze it, and then people have to listen all the way through to figure it out. <laughs> new new listeners will be like, I thought this is about drug a lot. I don't really. <laughs> or new listeners are like, I thought this was about drugs. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is, folks. We're just not. Maybe, well, actually, the, the beginning, we talked explicitly. explicitly they we, they probably got five minutes into the episode super excited. Someone messaged. I think someone either messaged us or they tweeted at us. There's like, there, there's been a lot of swearing lately. Are you guys just I was like, yeah, we generally try to keep that in line, but I think we're just worn out. That that and Terry. <sighs> we lost Terry. Come on, Terry. And and there's because the thing is, when you you can only get so far in the thesaurus to describe how bad this team is before you have to start throwing curse words in front of the words that you find in the thesaurus to define this team. Because you know, terrible, bad, awful, horrendous eventually have to be effing horrendous <laughs> to truly get the point across right i don't know how many times we can say this but i want to really keep going back to it you as a okay you as a fan remove all you know you're a public figure in the red wings world remove all like responsibility from this podcast or twitter or anything where you're not worried about people's uh, you know, influencing. You're not worried about Blashill seeing these your tweets or your thoughts. What do you do if your eyes are in with Glunt and Blashill right now? I'm. I the announcement would have already been made. I'd have sent. I'd have mailed Glunt a check. Say, fill fill out what you feel is fair while I'm drafting up uh, Blashill's notice. If that, I I don't care if that sounds harsh. I mean, from a business standpoint, you do it. It'd be like. If you're the Red Wings, okay, let's assume you like Blashill as a coach, okay? Let's play that angle. We'll compare Jeff Blashill as a coach to Dylan Larkin as a player. If something happened where the Edmonton Oilers released Connor McDavid and the, and uh, to make cap room, you had to get rid of Dylan Larkin to make it happen, you still do it. You are not going to lose out on a Connor McDavid for the sake of a Dylan Larkin in the same way you're not going to lose out on a Gerard Gallant because of a Jeff Blashill. I don't care. If you like or dislike him as a coach, Gerard Gallant is the better option. Do you take, let's say Eisman waits till the offseason, do you take Gerard Gallant or John Cooper? I would go with Gallant right now. It's not an easy decision, but again, with what Gallant was able to do with a relatively unskilled, air quotations, expansion team, and you look at the progression of nearly every player on that team under him, Marcheseau got better. Smith got better. William Carlson went from nobody to hero. Alex Tuck, 
progressed. Eric Halla turned into a star before he got traded and hurt. Uh, Nate Schmidt, Shea Theodore, like across the board, everybody you would want to pan out on that team has. The Red Wings can't say that. And they've had higher potential players in their system that haven't reached it. So I think given what Gallant did, he is the right choice, even if John Cooper is available, although I'd be thrilled with either. Do you think there's any possibility? Let's say we're operating in a world where Eisenman is trying to bring Gallant in. Do you think Eisenman, so as to not rock the boat, either A, has an, a, an arrangement with Gallant where, you know, Gallant gets a company card and he says, go scout on our behalf and we'll make the hire in the offseason when Blash Hill's contract expires, or B, um, we're going to bring you on as an advisor or an assistant coach or something like that. And then when Blash Hill's contract expires, we'll make you head coach officially then. Absolutely not, because ethically, that would be the biggest dick punch to Jeff Blashill. You don't do that and maintain any credibility with your peers as an employer. Yeah, but Jeff Blashill gets three hundred grand if that happens, because that's his out clause. If they don't pick up Jeff Blashill's uh, last year option within a week of the season ending, he gets three hundred grand, which isn't nothing in the coach's world. No, it's it's not nothing, but at the same time, the optics of that might be so poor to the point where it shows publicly how little the red wings think of him that they were willing to do that which might act actively affect his next contract and the dollar figures amounted attached to that so if i'm blashill i'd rather get the can now and start looking for my next job and get a jump start on it and not have the uh, guillotine over my head the entire season. The the one thing I can say about Jeff Plashill is that he has some steeled resilience to any kind of league-wide criticism that I have not seen in a coach with his record ever before. And it might be I, – like I don't know. He's well-loved by every hockey person in the NHL. Um, oh, he's, probably, he's a great guy. No, no. It's, as a it's, human, yeah, he's a great dude. It's not about him as a person. Obviously, he's a great dude. Anyone can see that. It's uh, like they talk about things where the Red Wings fans look at his track record in those areas and they're like, developing players. I mean, yeah, some, but not all. Or like they talk about like he's a winner. He's won at every level. And they're like, oh, what about this level? <laughs> what about the most important level so far? He's not. He's made the, you know, like he's made the his, playoffs once. Or His team has literally, talent be damned, his team has literally regressed every season the red wings have not i don't think improved season to season once under him i and if if they did it was only once i feel bad because this new found indictment of jeff blashill we've already done this whole conversation before we just have not done it with the flavor of gerard gallant is now available as a head coach we're we're operating in a we're like we're this conversation is all under the pretext of Gallant is available and he would come to Detroit if asked. That's the, the pretext. And you yeah. have to understand that that's not necessarily the case. In all likelihood, it's probably not the case. It's the Steven Stamkos all over again. We're going to throw all the money at him and we're going to make him our first line center. We'll even give him number 91. Stammer, you want to come to Detroit? Ha! <laughs> no. Didn't even come for an interview. Yeah, it could be the same damn thing. The only reason I think that there's a pretty good chance, and I'll give Detroit maybe even the highest odds at landing Gerard Gallant if they want, is because of Iserman. Yeah. It's it's literally his buddy. 
I think the operative thing here is more like the more crucial pivot point here isn't whether or not Gallant would want to come. It's whether or not Eisman would want to make that switch right now. Yeah. Again, does Eisman care about the coaching right now enough? Because I think a reasonable person in a vacuum can say coaching is probably about where I would rank goalies in this rebuild right now, which is like they're important, but it's not what I'm trying to fix right now because both of them are worthless with a bad team. Neither of them are going to win with this team in front of them. Plain and simple. Gerard Gallant won't win with this team in front of him. Uh, you know, the best goalie in the NHL at any given moment isn't going to win with this team in front of him. It's just the fact of the matter. It's not about winning all the time, which is why we're having this conversation. Um, but if Eisman has that thought, then it's not going to happen. If Eisman doesn't want to do that to Blashill after the whatever assurances he's made to him, it's not going to happen. If Eisman doesn't think that Gallant is that great of a coach or that much better than Blashill, or he thinks Blashill is actually good, he just hasn't been given a good team, it's not going to happen. There's a million opportunities here as to why it's not going to happen. It's much like the Red Wings lottery odds. Like, sure, the Red Wings might have one of the highest chances of landing Gallant just because of the circumstances, but the odds are it's not going to happen. So that's how we have to approach it. But here we are recording at the dead of night, <laughs> 10, 10 to 11 p.m., um, talking about a hypothetical. We have to have Ricard back on the show. Yeah, please. Can you uh, come in person? We'll just chain him up. We won't let him go. Yeah. You want to stay in Detroit? Um Good part of that 8-2 loss. Giovanni Smith, first NHL goal. Good for him. It was scored when the score was 8-1. Yeah. So as, it, was re- it was a really nice tip. I feel really bad for him. On a deflection and all that, that is about as anticlimactic as a first NHL goal could ever possibly be. So we're sorry, Giovanni. Um, other news. Uh, Corey Pronman. I feel bad. Both Corey and Max put out prospect ranking articles today and they just got drowned out and they're great articles um notable about Corey Pronman's article um yeah trevor zegris <laughs> is the best nhl drafted prospect in the world that's, Which that's would, still a prospect because it doesn't count jack hughes who's a regular yeah, nhler yeah. zadina didn't count either yeah um which was uh thankfully the hurt of that was mitigated by the fact that Mort Sider had climbed all the way up to number six on his rankings. Six, which was significantly higher than Joe Valeno. I I laughed my ass off when I saw his little blurb about Sider. Yeah. Like, uh, Red Wings fans don't talk him at all. Like, he's been doing well, if you haven't noticed. He said, I was debating not writing a Sider profile and just leaving a ranking because nobody's asked me about him all season. So I figured Detroit fans didn't care much about his progression. <laughs> which, in case you couldn't tell, is heavy heavy thick gooey sarcasm as i was reading that i'm pretty sure my screen started vibrating (laughs) he probably got 11 messages asking about cider and there's very much people who took that statement literally oh and he's getting yelled at for what do you mean red wings fans don't care about cider (laughs) we absolutely care about cider we care about (laughs) and then oh shoot twitch Corey probably playing block um he he ranked his cider skill set. So skating above average, puck skills above average, physical game elite, hockey sense above average. Yay! We might have a real defenseman. For a guy who I thought was had cider at about where I had cider pre-draft and post-draft had very similar thoughts about you know, drafting cider's fine, but in the face of who else was there, 
you know, there's some questions to be had. He was a little bit harsher, but that's literally his job is to be objective. And we have the grace of not having to be as objective. Um, and so for him to put Cider at number six really kind of is a good way to to validate what we've all seen from Cider this season. Every time I tune in, Cider's had a great, great, you know, game, big physical game, better defensive play, you know, nice puck or a nice puck movement, good footwork on the blue line. So it was really good to see all of that. Plus having a guy who's genuinely like physically elite. When was the last time the Red Wings had an actual physically elite player who could light players up? It was Nick Cronwall, and he wasn't exactly a big guy. It would be with his Cronwalls, which we all love dearly, but um, you know those would only happen so often. So to have more outsider doing that has been really great. Uh, it's worth noting too that the only other defenseman he, the only defenseman he had ahead of Cider in his rankings was Bowen Byram. So according to Corey Pronman, Mort Cider is his second best defenseman in the world, not playing in the NHL currently. Hmm. Um. NHL head coach firing seven Red Wings wins five. That just popped up on my Twitter feed again. I can't get over that. Uh, other news. Zach Cassian suspended two games. Yes. Much deserved for doing something you can't do in the UFC and punching a guy in the back of the head repeatedly, even though he doesn't want to fight. His first game back is against Calgary. <laughs> you bet your ass I'm watching that game. I'm going to Alberta to watch that game. <laughs> Yeah, because flights are terribly cheap. It's like negative 50 there right now. Celsius or Fahrenheit. I don't care. It's that cold. Yep. The NHL deemed Matthew Kachuk's hits all of them to be legal, which is stupid. I loved Cassian's response. Well, now that I know the rule, I accept it. I'm kidding. basically reading between the lines. He's saying, I'm glad to know that's legal because I'm going to attempt it. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> that game. Like, again, it's that good and bad. Like, it's bad because you know someone's going to get hurt and that's not good and something messed up is going to happen. But it's good because entertainment. You know, Cassian's going to wait till Kachuk skates around the net on one of these plays and he's going to be standing in uh, in the offensive zone or defensive zone, whatever way it's happening. You ever you remember those old Looney Tunes cartoons where the cartoon character would get in position like they're about to run and then their legs would cock like a shotgun before they took off? Yeah. Cassian might actually do that. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a wind-up car. Yeah. He'll have players like put, he'll like wind back with like a bungee cord that players will be holding on either side of the ice. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be bad. Someone's, there's going to be blood. There's going to be fists. And if there's not, shame on you, Alberta. Shame on you. Do you and Alberta is like the most old school hockey province in oh, Canada. Yeah. They are, tickets are probably going for more than a Stanley Cup final at this point. Yeah. Alberta still thinks Tim Hortons is good. <laughs> That's where they're at, which again, uh, no free ads, but that's a counter ad. Tim Hortons, your coffee has turned to garbage. Everything about Tim Hortons has turned to garbage. And yet, four figures on ice caps. That's why I always like laugh when America... I like, like, I like ice caps objectively. They haven't tasted it. I just don't do caffeine, so I barely ever drink it. I'm still so angry that they screwed up their donuts. I'm happy and I'm angry because I'd be morbidly obese if they never did switch it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... When you get to a certain age, you can stop... You can't keep eating them like you did when you were a kid. Yeah, no, no, I know. I, I would literally eat half a dozen in a in a sitting mm. it was bad but that's because tim horton's donuts used to be amazing and now they're pre-frozen they're so garbage bad. yeah uh, that's but why then again you go to any of the specialty donut places around here i'm sorry i'm not paying six goddamn dollars no, for no. donut. that's why i laugh whenever americans are like oh we have we got a timmy's in our town and like i love it so much i'm like wow I hope they do it differently there because it's genuinely not you know, good. But what are you comparing it to? Everything's relative, right? From what I've heard about Dunkin' Donuts, you know, find a coffee. Hey, you want to do something today? Find a brewery. Find a coffee shop in your area. I promise you 
they have a really good chance. If you go to that, if you go there and they don't make actual good beer or good coffee, go to another one. That one, statistically speaking, will be better. Like just find something that's not generic garbage. Now, maybe this is just me being a snob, but also if you're walking into these places, don't be poor. <laughs> oh my god every one of these places i've ever gone into is exceedingly no. expensive no i don't think so i think there's coffee shops that- oh they probably exist i haven't found them yet you know what i will actually say mcdonald's coffee is like my staple like you just need a quick coffee on the go like every day you want to pop in or sit in a drive-thru that's the coffee you get yeah oh so you don't spend like 18 dollars on a mocha vente frappe bullshit from starbucks okay you know what uh starbucks i like everything other than their medium roast i'm for what they charge it better be good their lattes are overpriced but they are delicious i like i said those fancy donuts that i was referencing earlier are delicious i mess i'm still not paying it with a green tea latte i really do um i this is why i'm so happy i don't drink coffee i could not put this much time thought and effort into something so mundane i couldn't do it what like trying to figure out what my coffee place is, how I'm going to take it, how much it costs, how many times a day do I need to get it? Do I need to drive out of my way? Oh, they changed the recipe. Can I go there anymore? Oh, Hortons, they're terrible now. We're going to go to McDonald's. Oh, that drive through line's a... No, I couldn't do it. A lot of the little... For someone who's like uh, pretty happy-go-lucky, a lot of little things... Stre- really? That's what's stressing you You know about? why I'm so happy-go-lucky? Because I avoid these things in my life coffee coffee it's what's saving you it might actually be so it's not the fact that i read the news every morning and the world is stressing me out it's the coffee that i'm drinking while i'm doing it it can be both oh shut up (laughs) who's having a better outlook on life me groggy and half paying attention as i'm reading how awful the world is or you fully caffeinated awake and alert while reading it (laughs) checkmate ryan oh i hate when brad makes good points (laughs) it's so (laughs) uncomfortable I, and he does it in the middle of episodes, and I have to suppress the urge to vomit for like another 15 minutes. What a jerk. Speaking of suppressing vomiting, Knives Out, such a good movie. I haven't seen it. I didn't need to see Such it. a good movie. Still in theaters? I went this Saturday. Okay. Yeah. First uh, time, me and Crystal checked. First time we've been to the theater since June. Sad. Don't have kids. Yeah, that's the moral of the story today, <laughs> really. Uh, great news. Brad Marchand with the game on the line overskated the puck in the shootout. <laughs> uh, this is why I love that. This is why I love Brad Marchand. Because the NHL needs guys that we can all universally laugh at when stuff like this happens. And Brad Marchand tweeted a picture of him lifting the cup, which props to you. You get to do that. Oh, buddy, that was... that. Um, that picture immediately made me realize how insecure Marchand is. This stuff gets to him. Brad, no. Nobody. You're. Yeah. I don't know. I'd flex the cup ring. I'd flex the cup ring a lot. He does it all the time, though. He's, yes, because he can do it. Dude, he literally called out a guy who responded to him. He, like, oh, you, he called him a peasant. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> well, you just said don't be poor. So you guys are kind of. Bo- all Brad's bad? Question mark? Buddy, question I'm marks? allowed to say don't be poor. I'm poor. <laughs> These are the rules. A lot of lots of potential titles this episode. Stupid Gallant ch- taking all the, uh, <laughs> the the spotlight away because the title of this episode: Don't be poor. Don't have kids. No, don't be poor. Comma, it's okay. I'm poor. <laughs> There's the episode title. All Brad's bad? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> Rowan's been saying this for a while. Uh, oh, Rowan can't use that joke because I'm Rob. 
Uh, that's very true. He needs to stay. He can't have his. He cake can't. Cake. He can't. Yeah, exactly. He's got to go down one path there. Philip Forsberg scored another Michigan goal, or scored another Michigan goal was scored by Philip Forsberg. And yes, I'm calling it the Michigan and not the lacrosse move, even though the lacrosse move is acceptable. This one was more impressive because of how he picked the puck up. He did it with his toe. The toe of his blade. That was wild. It, and it wasn't like a, a toe pressure drag. It was a toe scoop. Yeah. That was nuts. It must be something with his blade, eh? Like, he must know. He must have practiced specifically. Well, I w- like, I know how to do that move, but the timing and the pace of it are so ridiculous. You give me 100 attempts at that exact move that Forsberg did, standing still, I'll get it twice. Because I know how to do it. I just physically am not capable of doing it. I don't have the coordination and or the timing. Uh, he did it while moving at full speed. <laughs> And he was acquired for one Martin Erat. Anyhow, um, <laughs> the Washington Capitals ne- ne- uh, re-signed Nick Backstrom for five years, $46 million, which is 9.2 a year. Yes. Uh, notable what? thing about that is he negotiated his own contract. And he's 30? Actually, it's not bad. That only takes him to what, like 35, 36? Look, that contract is back pay in my mind. That's the exact same thing they did with Andre yeah, Kopitar and Drew Doughty. And how'd that work out for LA? Look, you know what? They got their cups. Uh, they're happy. I know, Ryan. They got their cups. They're happy. And the players are satisfied now because those players could have easily walked and said, hey, you underpaid me for years. And um, I want you to make good on it. I was going to say it's the same thing as Tavares in the island, but he never won cups there. So Speaking of how everything revolves around uh, the Red Wings, uh, one of the things that this contract has... Uh, started in the capitals twitterverse is well there goes all the money that we would have had for brayden holpe so it looks like they're gonna let him go yeah but brayden holpe is gonna command bobrovsky money and what we've seen so far is you don't spend 10 million dollars oh i agree i don't think the red wings are gonna do it but we need to brace ourselves for months and months of red wings fans talking about it oh no we're gonna have to cover it before free agency ryan and you know it's gonna be me bringing it up to no. <laughs> the only good news is I think we'll be in agreement on this one, so it won't be a long conversation. Every episode, no. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Brain. No. No. Hi, you can get Robin Leonard for half the term and half the dollars. You do that. All right. Uh, Maybe it not is, half the dollars, but. It is 11.05. I want you to be able to sleep at some point tonight. Uh, not possible. This episode, uh, we're going to head over to Patreon. It's a midweek episode, which means even when we rush and post the uh, Patreon th- or the uh, overtime thread late uh, because we were recording sooner than expected, uh, midweek episodes overtime is Patreon exclusive. So let's read out some com. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many are there? You guess. Enough that I'm leaving. Bye, everybody. 32. I might abbreviate some of these. No, you're shitting me. There's not 32. There's more here than when Eisenman got picked up. Do you guys think Red Wings fans Can want you just Gallant? do a filter if it includes the word Gallant? We just don't read that one because we've already answered it. Matthew Keeler says the Red Wings are bad. We could really use any type of fun. I'm in this we need anything fun mindset after the 8-2 slaughter. Would adding alternative third jersey be fun or just blast me since it's the Wings or something else the Red Wings can do? Hashtag oh fuck we lost Terry. Uh, Rowan's with me on this one. Bring back the Barber Bowl. Yes, third jersey. Barber Bowl. Uh, Jacob Charlop says, hey guys, new Patreon member. Here's the first comment. Jacob, thank you so much for becoming a patron. We really appreciate you and welcome to the Dub Dub family. He says, love the pod and happy to finally officially be part of the Wingo podcast family. Uh, saw an athletic ar- article mentioning some of the greatest names they've ever seen and it got me thinking. What would be the top two or three games that come to mind as the best you've watched? As I'm too young to remember, uh, 97-98 Cups, I would have to say 08 Game 6 or 2010 USA Canada Gold Medal. I have three. 
02 gold medal, 2010 gold medal, um, game seven, 2002 Stanley Cup finals or Stanley Cup conference finals. Okay. Uh, so obviously this isn't Red Wing specific. I'll, I'll double down on the 2010 gold medal game. Uh, I'm going to go off the board with two of these. Um, neither of them are Red Wings. They're all international. I'm going to stay that way just for the theme. 2009 World Junior Semifinals, mm-hmm. Canada, Russia. And 2014 Olympic gold medal game, women's hockey. Oh, good game. That was such a game. That was... I, like... That game was wild. The, the, that it was, overtime alone was insane. The Canadian, uh, it was Canada-Sweden that year in the finals for the men. Yep. And, and that game was just Canada dominating. Canada the dominated the whole tournament. Nyquist hit the post like in the first shit, like a few minutes into the game for Sweden. And then it was just Canada from there. But that women's final was like, you could not have scripted better hockey. It was chaos. Um. Evan Beckner says Brad Marchand confirms he's been an angry Redditor this whole time. Antonio Gracia says shout out to the three of you for busting your butts uh, to get us content sooner after a shocking news break. I know you guys will have talked about Gallant to death, so I just want to say thanks for pushing this out sooner than usual to all of us. Love the content and hard work you uh, you lot do, and I just want to voice my appreciation. We appreciate that, Antonio, um, even Evan, who is skiing. Haroon Khan says, hey guys, first I just wanted to say thanks for being a platform where I can say or rant about these Red Wings. Living in Leaf Country is a real pain in the ass. I was trying to get my girlfriend to become a Red Wings fan, and man, was I close, but that Islander game did a number on my efforts. Oh yeah, you hold it back right now. Yeah, no, no, no. Now you just lie and tell her stories about games that didn't happen. Show her the old Red Wings. Yeah, Uh, YouTube's a hell of a thing. After that last game, we're fully done with Abdulkader and Blashill. Both of them got to go. I really think the hockey gods did us a favor after watching last night's game by getting Gallant canned and giving us the opportunity to salvage whatever positives we can from this terrible, historically bad, horrendous, and crappy season. Blashill kept saying, we've just got to get better every goddamn post-game interview as if it's a new revelation. It's so irritating, and I'm sick and tired of him rolling out Abby for no reason instead of a guy who could potentially be something in Perlini. If Barry Trotz can make the Islanders good, why can't we just be respectable? Why can't we lose with some self-respect? I get it's a rebuild, but this is going to drive people away from the team and also the players. I get Eisman is a great GM, but keeping Blash could make it harder for him to sign up our own uh, our own guys and players in free agency. Might sound unreasonable, but I just want a coach who can come in and make us respectable. I would keep going, but I'll give Ryan a break. Thanks again, guys. Size deeply. Let's go Red Wings. <gasps> K. Stangy says, what was better, the picture of Sad Marchand after they lost in the playoffs last year? B, the whiff heard around the hockey world as that rat-faced bastard couldn't pick up the puck during the shootout? C, all of the above, because seriously, Firk that guy. Oh, it'll have to be C. It's going with C. Funny that someone referenced Firk this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Marty Firk liked one of Brad's tweets. And it wasn't a nice tweet about the Red Wings. So I don't know how to take that. It was, you would tweet, you would trade every defenseman short of Philip Hironik for... uh, I said, I would trade the entire Red Wings D Corp minus Hironik for Kisperi Kapanen and Martin Firk liked that tweet. So I don't know how to take that. That was me literally saying these six guys are worth that one guy. Lonnie Zone says, it's got to be the wheelhouse. I, that's a great name for this room. I love it. Uh, I remember the first, Oh, you didn't bring the jersey. Buddy, <laughs> how many times are you going to get me to bring something when you message me when I'm already at work coming straight here after? 
Uh, I remember the first time I heard that term, and it was in a Shanahan interview explaining how Brett Hall made him a better shooter on the Blues at that time, but no biggie. It was just, it's just too perfect. Also, I think Brad is onto something with the Wings playing Heronic on the left side, but not necessarily to draft Drysdale. Seems like Heronic and Sider complement each other's games perfectly, potentially making their line greater than some of their parts. Anyhow, just a thought. Man, I hope Sider gets a call up soon. Thanks for all you guys do, our blessed patriarchs of the Dub Dub family. That's actually a very interesting point. Uh, Andrew Bohan says, sub dub duds, comic relief question. Would you rather shit in your hands and clap or be a Jeff Blashill during the Islanders game? Oh, I'm sorry. Anybody who's making the coach's salary is not getting any pity from me. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Rowan said the exact same thing. He's now going to accuse me of stealing what he said. There you go. Um, stay fresh cheese bags. Great for holding bo- broken dreams. Giving up on hockey being fun. Just throw those dreams away like you've been doing for years now. Guaranteed to hopefully be fresh later in the decade when this is all funny when we're over how much this sucked. Moritz Kuhlman says, hey, guys, I got a question for you. Say you would pick a full team out of only number one overall picks and let that team play against a team consisting of every other player ever who would win. This might be too complex for overtime, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for all the work you guys are doing. Players who were not number one overall picks. Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, Steve Eiserman, Bobby Orr. Uh, I think I know what team I'm going with. Yeah. Uh, Garrett TV says, Hockey Amigos, the internet is melting down from the pace of people typing out the phrase, oh my God, hire Gallant. Now, what gives? I know he's a former wing and a good old boy who Eisman hired to assist Canada once, but can anyone speak to what is about him or his coaching style that makes us think he'd be a good replacement for Blash, who I'm not a fan of, by the way. He's had a mediocre coaching history, got canned after unexpected successes and subsequent regression, is now much of the same with Vegas. IMO, he's only really shown that he can surprise, but never really that he has some sort of differentiator that we should be pursuing and his former team replaced him with a guy that we could have had for the past couple of months on top of that everyone knows he's a total old school asshole hashtag okay boomer can we move on and stop hoping for quick fixes to our long-term problems okay that's a like all of that is a fair counterpoint to everything that we've said and something that we should like red wings fans and us have to consider yeah we didn't bother deep diving into his systems uh this episode but the summation of that is he plays a very fast up-tempo aggressive style which suits today's nhl perfectly um, we didn't give that thought like Garrett, we didn't give that like a uh, platform, a lot of conversation on this episode, but we will in the future. Um, there is valid arguments to what you said. So you'll probably be in the minority of Red Wings fans at the moment because of who he's up against. But, uh, those are fair criticisms. Logan Gilly says, uh, what's up, Brad and Ryan, new patron here. Thank you, Logan, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Been listening for a couple of years now, so frick me for not signing up earlier, but hey, whatever. The question is, do you think we should have kept Mrazek? I guess maybe it wouldn't have mattered given the state of defense who's been in net. Um, I still very much disagree with it because he was younger and at the time at least equally talented. And ties should always go to the younger player when you're in a situation like the Red Wings. I, I've always been in favor of keeping Mrazek. Yeah, he's had his up and downs, and by no means has he been a stalwart in that at all times, but wouldn't it be nice to have him now? You know? Uh, although there's a reasonable chance that you say he never would be developed because he needed a lot of mental reinforcement in this team when you get shelled with like 17 high-danger shots a period. <laughs> you don't get that as a goalie. Mike Lennox says, at this point, with so many players skipping the All-Star game, will it take something negotiated in the CBA to change this trend? I think that is something that will happen. That's a good point. They have to change a lot with the All-Star game. They have to basically start from scratch on it because the fans don't care. The players don't care. If they folded the All-Star game, I wouldn't care. 
Uh, let's move back up here. I accidentally scrolled down. Um, also, it seems that the All-Star game is nothing like it was before. Can they recapture the relevance of what it once had? I don't think it'll ever be like the old days. It isn't. You, you can, I think you can fix the skills competition, but players just aren't as competitive as they used to be. That's They played for pride back then. They wanted to win. It meant something to them. Now they don't care. Not And not that they necessarily should. I'm not like dumping on the new generation. These goddamn millennials are ruining the all-star game now. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's true. Willow1771 says, first time commenter, day one listener. Oh, my God. Day geez. one. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Both of those things. And welcome to the Dub Dub family, although you've been part of it. Still remember occasionally posting on your Reddit thread. Uh, I don't have a question. I just want to say thank you because you're so dedicated to the content you make. I get to enjoy a great show each week. I've also joined a podcast of my own. Hashtag no free ads. Your show has, along with a few others, been a reason as to why I want to be a content creator. Keep up the great work. Hashtag winged wheel podcast. Hashtag let's go Red Wings. That is amazing, Willow. Thank you. Uh, shoot us a DM. I'd love to listen. Matt Cheney says, hey, boys, D-Boss good, Phillips are good, Tuzi good, uh, handsome Y-Man good, wheel team bad, existence is pain, please make it stop. They did it. They broke me. I have just one question, dub-dub, when will it stop? Uh, April, I don't know, 11th? What's the end of the season? When's the draft lottery? Because we'll either be talking extensively about how good Lafreniere is or why all the players available at number four are still really good. Uh, great content as always, boys. I'll be sleeping until the draft lottery. Sean Chavarella says, uh, so the last defenseman the Wings had was worth some- that was worth something was Nick Jensen. Now he was a late bloomer and didn't crack the lineup until 2017, eight years after he was drafted. Now Detroit's in a great position to have two defensemen in Hirona Consider who are able to play at an elite level and contribute. My question is, what defenseman in the system do you think is most likely to be a late bloomer? Okay, I'm going to qualify this by not counting anti-Tuomisto because that is the very obvious answer to this one based on everything. They drafted him to be the slow developer. Uh, I'm going to say Albert Johansson. He is has all the tools to be a good offensive defenseman but hasn't started producing the points uh, as of yet, even though he is playing in the SHL, Sweden's top league. So... I'm going to go with him. I you, That's a fair answer, and I'm going to say I can't give you another answer without just making something up for the sake of making it up because I think Nick Jensen is not a common occurrence. No, he's not. I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming like a Johansson will break through at 23, not 27. Uh, I love my NFC Championship bound Packers. God damn it. Uh, says, would you rather be a boomer or a zoomer? I don't know, Brad. What's it like to be a boomer? I don't know what a zoomer is. Uh, yeah. A Gen Z. I don't know. I'd rather be a boomer. They own homes. Technically speaking, I'm a millennial. Millennial starts in what, 85? Does it? I think so. Hmm. Technically. I'm just ruining everything. Rowan says, good day, dud dud. Seeing as the medieval warrior team are panicking, we clearly need to get Stevie on the phone with GMGM to manufacture another trade that benefits us immensely. Please come up with some ideas that are heaps good. Hashtag safe fresh cheese bags. Oh, I like this. Luke um, Glendening for a first. Um, do they have their first? They've uh-huh. traded a lot of picks. <laughs> we probably have it. <laughs> Someone no. asked me, would you trade Fabry for the first, second, and third that we got for Tatar? And I was like, yeah. Are you high? Of course. Yeah, 100%. That was there a wild very trade. few players on the road I wouldn't trade make that trade for. Yeah. Uh, Jethro E says, if the Wings don't hire Gallant, then my disappointment will be immeasurable and my day will be ruined, which frankly is pretty similar to a standard game day as a Wings fan this season, so I guess status quo. Come on, Stevie, hire this good old Canadian booty. 
booty. Beauty. Pfft. Oh, boy, is it late. Stay it's fresh. your beauty. <clears throat> it's your booty. Stay fresh cheese bags of Fournier Company says, but um bum womp. Worst game of the season. Uh, harder on the fire Blashill train than ever before. I'll give him credit for calling a timeout after the second Isles goal and lighting up the entire bench. He was beat red and screaming at the top of his lungs. It was the most passionate fire I've ever seen from him. Then it's like it had no effect. We all saw how it ended. Can't fault Howard and Pickard. It would have been worse. Or it could have been worse. So bring in Gallant now. That is if he'll even come here and if Calgary or Dallas don't uh, swoop in and take him uh, over their interim coaching uh, guys. Otherwise, put Disco Dan in charge for the rest of the season until Lane Lambert can be interviewed or hold out for Ricard Gronberg if the ZSC Lions allow him to interview and then release him from his contract. You guys have talking you guys have talked about losing the right way. That is not what's happening right now. I'd rather see them lose 3-2 or 2-1 than get slaughtered each night. Confidence and morale are still part of development and right now it's a detriment. Todd Bertuzzi said two things I agree with. First, the effort is there, but it's the follow through that lacks. Defensive plays break down and our team just stands around expecting the puck to be uh, in the net until it finally does. Props to Bowie for team defensive player of the year. Need to see more of those. As for everyone else, they've got to channel their efforts into defensive awareness instead of playing their feet and watching the pucks go in the net. Second thing, the Red Wings have been dunking on the league for over 25 years. Now all these teams are lining up to get theirs while the getting's good. Have you seen the second half schedule? Unless they go through a sting, string of playoff bound and hopeful teams benching regulars and starting backups, things are about to get much more difficult. Man, the Red Wings have been losing the backups for the past two seasons. My favorite, I don't know where I saw this, but it said the Red Wings had the hardest strength of schedule left in the NHL, and someone responded, well, yeah, of course, they're the only team in the NHL that doesn't get to play the Red Wings. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sad. Uh, congrats to Giovanni Smith on his first NHL goal, to Madison Bowie for stepping up his play, and to Dylan Larkin for extending his point streak. Thank you, fellas, for the difficult responsibility of shepherding an antsy portion of the fan base. It's not easy what you fellas do, but certainly appreciate it. Now, time for some levity. Time for the Franz Nielsen trade game. Find a trade, any trade, a contract pick, or a bucket of rusty, rusty skate blades and moist cups. Or would you rather choose to slide bare ass down a razor blade into a pool of iodine? Stay fresh cheese bags were over the hump. Uh, iodine, because apparently there's a nuclear threat, and I heard that helps. I'm upset that I even had to have that visual. Um, any trade with uh, Franz Nielsen has to be accompanied with a second round pick going the other way, or you have to catch a crazy GM on a good day. Or you take a bigger but shorter term bad contract in return. <laughs> uh, Matt Bocker says, hey, you squids, was reading about how Ferraro thought a captain for Daly and Bernier trade was actually possible. And then I saw how Elvis Merzlikens is doing for Columbus with no real solid goalie prospects in the pipeline. Would this be a trade worth pursuing? Say Athens to you and Bernier for Elvis and possibly a defensive piece and or a first round pick. Everyone in Columbus is injured and per cap friendly. They can have a first. They have their first round pick for the next three years. Also can't wait for the next Oilers Flames game. Reminds me of the old Avs Wings rivalry back when it meant something. Cheers, boys. Keep up the good work and never forget Terry. Two things. Uh, Columbus isn't giving up any more draft picks because, oh, my God, they've had none. And two, um, Merzlikens might be a surprise to the rest of the NHL. He is not a surprise to Columbus fans. They've known he was coming for a while, and they're not surprised he's good. Advanced Water says all-star jerseys, but instead of team logos, they use the mascots. Discuss. Yes. Badass. I would buy a gritty all-star jersey. I'd buy a Red Wings Alley Ox- Octopus jersey. That goes without saying, but I would also get a gritty. Connor Layton says, hey, fellas, at a time like this, my only question is, what's your go-to drink when the Red Wings are losing 8-1? to one? Asking for a friend, also go pack go. Damn it, Connor. Uh, Bleach. Yeah. 
honestly, wine is a happy drunk. So if you're into that, um, or depending just, on where you live, either in Canada, anywhere in Canada, or some states, there's a different solution. Uh, just avoid beer and uh, any any mixer with pot because the bloating you're going to need a lot of them. So. Uh, Shay says, hey, boys, I was thinking about what led me to the wonderful game of hockey. It was all because of NHL Faceoff 98 for the original PlayStation. Even remember the first goal I scored in the game. Doug Brown on a slapper from just inside the red line. Assist from Bob Roos and Jamie Pusher. The glory days, eh? I also remember spending a lot of time making trades, starting out with a player who had a low overall and trading him for a player that was rated a point or two higher until I ended up with Paul Correa type player. And also not knowing how to properly pronounce names. Imagine reading the name Yarmie Yager just as it looks. What are your earliest hockey memories that you guys have, whether real life or video game? Brendan Shanahan scoring was, I think, the first goal I remember. Against the Whalers, I believe. Uh, I have flashes like, uh, for whatever reason, I remember the 93 conference finals between LA and Toronto very vividly. Uh, I remember Detroit getting bounced by San Jose in 94 and in the cup finals in 95, uh, pretty vividly. So yeah, those are the ones that immediately come to mind. Uh, I was at a Red Wings Leafs game at Maple Leaf Gardens. I want to say around 93, 94. I remember pretty well. I was... One, I was zero years old. I was born in at the end of 1993, November. So yeah, the 93 playoffs. Remember, you didn't exist yet. Well, you existed. You were still inside. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Adam Flett says, not sure if you've covered it, but lots of Georgiev talk. Just quickly on other goalies, why not Matt Murray or Jerry in a trade or even Demko slash DiPietro? Both Pens and Vancouver could use Athanasiu and we get a goalie a better note than what's currently in the pipeline. Anyways, hope all's well in the wheelhouse and stay fresh. Am I crazy for preferring a pick to a goalie? Yeah. No. I would. I'd rather the pick. Uh, Vancouver's going to wait to see what happens with Markstrom in free agency to to figure out what they do with Demko. Because if Markstrom boogies, then obviously they need Demko. Um, DiPietro, I'm not actually super high on. So that would be a pass from me. I uh, And Matt Murray. Uh, I would love Jerry, but Matt Murray. Mm. Yeah, and Jari ain't going anywhere. Uh, Jari, right? Not Jerry. Jari. Yeah, and I'm also personally offended. You called him Bob Roos and not Bob Rouse. Did I not say Rouse? You said Roos, I think. Oh. I'm upset. I'm sorry. It upset me when you said it. I'm sorry. I actually thought I said Rouse. Oh, maybe. I know him. I'm, I don't know him, but I know the name. I'm tired. There's a good chance I just wasn't listening. Let's just pretend we're both right. Kyle Thomas says, hey, guys, still loving the podcast with John Cooper, the longest tenured coach in the NHL. Statistically, he should be available in the next couple of years, especially if Tampa doesn't produce. What's your thoughts on him being a target for Eisenman, and how could he help Detroit? Second question, Larkin in the Wings, fourth overall draft pick for first overall. God, no. Larkin and fourth overall for first? No. No, Brad. No, 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 no. Athenon is you in fourth for first. Sure. I'm just trying to think like his Larkin isn't Lafreniere. Fourth. Would, you go, would you go Mantha in fourth for first? I, I really like Lafreniere. It dep- okay. If the top three like goes how I think it will, I would consider it. But if Raymond drops, definitely no. Could you confidently say that not only will Alexi Lafreniere definitely be the best player in his entire draft class, but by a whole Dylan Larkin better than the next guy? He's definitely going to be the best. By a whole Dylan Larkin better? Probably not. Brad, come on. Probably not. But man, this is a league that needs... Who's the Dylan Larkin equivalent? Same age, same kind of production, same potential in the league. 
like that's in the league right now. Dylan Larkin. Who's an equivalent? Name someone who you value as much. As a Dylan Larkin, I don't know. Uh, Larkin's a unique guy. There isn't really. There's not a lot of hims. There's not a lot of Larkins. I don't know. He's like in that second tier. Barzal, maybe. Would you, if you had first overall, would you take fourth overall and Barzal for first overall? Uh, I really like Lafreniere. I probably would. But I really like Lafreniere. Here's the thing: I'm on the believer you don't, you're not going to win anything unless you have a true game breaker, and Detroit doesn't have one right now in the system or on the team. Lafreniere is that guy. Uh, Ray- Raymond could be that guy. Stutzla could be that guy, but I wouldn't bet on them being that guy. Uh, Kyle, you're right about John Cooper, um, but I think there might be a situation here where Eisenman says, "Yeah, I would love to go for Cooper, but Gallant's available now." Dylan Krill says, hey, guys, which Red Wing past or present do you want to interview the most? And what would be your first question? Uh, I, b- b- Brendan Shanahan is my favorite player of all time, but it still would be Steve Eisenman. Yeah, it's, it is Eisenman. It will always be Eisenman. And I just want to know uh, who he's taking in the draft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love Gordy, too. Gordy would be great. You know what? I don't even want who he's taking. Uh, Stevie, just give me your list one through four. For Gordy, I would want to know who's the weakest son of a bitch you've ever played in the league. <laughs> just trash on someone. Chris Smith says in the shadow of the big coaching news last night, Bruce Boudreaux forgot to list a sixth defender on the lineup. So Pattern had to leave the ice and Donato came down from the press box after warmups to play. Bruce is one of a kind guy. Is that real? I didn't even hear what about happened? that. When they accidentally had five defensemen because they healthy scratched the sixth yeah. guy. Yeah. My son was having a meltdown while I was listening to the last episode and Spotify played a much older episode after it finished. During the episode, I heard the name I hadn't in a while. Alexi Marchenko. Oh, man. Remember when we used to argue about Alexi Marchenko? That's uh, us and Madison Bowie right now. It all came Who back. Who had the defensive play of the year on Tuesday? Pulled one right off of the goal line at the last millimeter. It all came back to me being excited about a young defenseman, him being placed on waivers, the Leafs claiming him, and then him scoring on us later that season. At the time, I thought uh, he had some sort of trade value, and I was so pissed he was placed on waivers. Kind of a him again now. Hell, he could arguably be a top four defenseman on this version of the Wings, but so could fifty something year old Chris Chelios. But Marchenko ended up going back to the K. AHL after that season and possibly probably still would have if he stayed at the wings still just made me think more thankful for stevie as i'll always consider this a dumb move by ken holland so what was your least favorite trader roster move ken holland ever made hashtag thank Ferk we lost holland ken holland uh the uh yarn croc the yarn croc deal bothers me still to nashville i'm gonna say two words and you're gonna immediately agree with me kyle quincy Oh, yeah. because We lost Vasilevsky in theory in that trade. Yeah, you know what? You're objectively right, and that's the easy answer, but one that's underrated is the Yarncroc deal. Yarncroc's no slouch, and I like him a lot. Dude, all of his deadline deals sucked. The Zidlitsky trade sucked. The Eric Cole trade sucked. The David Lagwan trade sucked. He needed to have his phone taken away from him every trade deadline. (sighs) That's that. There is going to be plenty more about Gerard Glant in the future. Uh, Hopefully not. Hopefully they're on Instagram tomorrow, and then we just have one more episode to talk about it, and then we get to go on with our misery. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and uh, I'm glad we were able to get this episode out to you late, late, late. It'll probably be 
be posted past midnight by the time it's up. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, all of our sponsors, uh, Arjun Shanker. I love my NFC bound, uh, NFC championship bound Packers, Andrew Bohan, uh, or Bohan. He told me, and I fucking forgot Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Mitchell Shinkowski, Aaron Taylor, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Mike Reed, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levy, Sean Levine, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Craig Kibble, Rob Thiel, Simon Anderson, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Love you all. Thank you. And may your wildest coaching dreams come true. Excuse me. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.